as a Rasta man, it was an instantly no with an X there, you know, absolutely, because that's what you know. But in life, you change, and especially when you have no people who are being affected by that, you know, or you imagine yourself that it's one of your children. Podcasting for our health with NHS Blood and Transplant in association with Bristol African Caribbean Expo and BCFM Radio. Hosted by Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner, and broadcaster and producer Pat Hart. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode five of Podcasting for Our Health with me, the accidental campaigner, Primrose Granville. That means we're halfway there. Only five more to go. But episode five is very, very special. We've got an amazing guest. A giving guest, a famous guest, a dragon slayer guest. We've got none other than Levi Roots. He's not just a dragon slayer. He doesn't just make sauces. He gives back a lot. And he gives back a lot to matters surrounding blood donation in the black community. What better way to do episode five than to slay with Levi Roots live. You know, we've always got Pat. He is my little partner, but not in crime. He's my partner in ensuring that we get the message about blood and organ donation. Pat, where are you? Are you out there giving blood somewhere? Oh no, you can't. (laughs) But on this one, we will find out who can, won't we Pat? Absolutely. Thank you, Prim. I love the way that you call me your partner, but not in crime. I'm really glad to say that because I I, I don't want us to be in trouble. If we were Batman and Robin, that's probably not a good way of saying, is it? Superman, Wonder Woman. I I guess I'd be Robin, your faithful assistant. Actually, I like Superman and Wonder Woman. (laughs) Yeah. So let's be Superman and Wonder Woman. Mm. We are fighting for donation. This is so, so important. The subject is so important. We've spoken uh, in previous weeks and when we broadcast together, Prim, just about how a little thing, and I'm saying a little thing, of just turning up at a blood donation centre, going online and registering and giving blood. It It takes less than an hour. Going to give blood can help change people's lives. And Pat, you and I have been talking a lot. You, you make the talking sound like it's it's little. Mm. But we've been talking a lot. We've been talking to people from ACLT. Uh, we've been talking to people from NHSBT. We've been talking to people from our community. We've been talking to all kinds of people about blood and organ donation. But for this podcast, we're focusing mostly on blood. Mm. Now, Pat... What are some of the conversations you remember from the last two weeks that we've been talking about where it relates to blood? Well, look, real key conversations. And and it's important that everybody who's listening, no matter what your ethnic background is, kind of gets a grip of this. So at the moment, it would be fair to say that the vast majority of people in this country here in the UK that give blood are white. And that's an amazing thing that people are, are giving blood. However, if you're from an African-Caribbean background and, for example, uh, you have a sickle cell trait or, for example, you need a blood transfusion, that blood, the blood transfusion that you get, would suit you better if it were from somebody from your own 
ethnicity. This is because, and you can explain more about RO, but this is because it means that there is less likelihood or little or no likelihood that your body then will try and create antibodies against the blood that you've got. It might be the same blood type, but not the same subtype. And this is really, really important where people kind of get a bit confused, which is why it's important that people from African Caribbean backgrounds give blood because it then means that those who need blood from African Caribbean backgrounds or those that, that need some kind of medical treatment that will involve the giving of blood can receive blood from someone from their own backgrounds. That's, that's about it, isn't it, Prim, in terms of uh, the basics? Well, you couldn't have put the basics any better part. If I didn't know you better, I would say that you are a scientist, <laughs> a blood scientist. I wish. But we, we have to we have to say these things, Pat. And you've put it in such beautiful layman's terms because you know that I'm not that bright when it comes to science. But you've put it perfectly. So in order for me, for example, if I had sickle cell, if I had leukemia, if I had aplastic anemia and I got blood from a really nice white person who's got the same blood type as me, mm. it could be that because there's there's a, a, a different factor you said subtype. Hmm. So there's a different factor in the subtype. And I think that's called the rhesus factor. I remember my mother telling me about that. Yeah. It means that you develop these antibodies, not because the blood is bad, but because it is marginally different because of the ethnicity. Yeah. So we don't want white people to stop giving blood. We want black people to start giving more blood. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Because those antibodies, they cause severe pain. They cause lots of things that go on underneath the surface and they could even cause the demise of somebody who has received blood we don't want that do we we want our black individuals who are living with conditions to live because of the blood they're getting that is why black blood is so important and and pat we learned about our own blood as well didn't we Absolutely. We learned about we learned about RO blood. And some of the people that we've interviewed as well have, 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 have spoken to us and said in no uncertain terms, and I do not use these three words lightly. We've spoken how we've campaigned, you know, right across the world and use these three words, black lives matter. So what we need to do now is to put those three words into action. If we want to save lives, if we want to make um, some difference to, and let's be honest, the misery that so many people from our communities are suffering because they cannot get the right blood, then we need to do something. We need to turn up at the blood donation centres and give blood. Can't be more simple than that, can I, Prim? No, you can't possibly be any simpler, Pat. And we know that when this podcast goes out, it will go out in time for the Malcolm X Community Centre Blood Donation Drive on the 3rd of October, right there at Malcolm X, 141 City Road, Bristol, BS28YH. 3rd of October. We would like to see you. I know for the duration of this podcast, it won't be on. But if you hear that, contact a blood centre and they will gladly give you an appointment. And that's your yeah. blood. That's really key, isn't it? That if you're listening to this podcast in in the series on whatever platform you're listening, maybe that third of October 2021 uh, timeline is gone. That's fine. 
Because wherever you live in the country, in an actual fact, if you're listening anywhere around the world, wherever you live, you can go online, you can make phone calls and say, where can I give blood? And guess what? If you give your mobile number, you'll be text and they'll say, hey, coming up in three weeks time in your area, we're having a blood giving clinic. And you can go and do that regularly. And guess what? You'll even be told you can get a text message to tell you where your blood is going to be used. Not with whom, but where. And there is a real sense of satisfaction for those that give blood. So, Pat, shall we talk to the dragon slayer himself? But he's actually very much a community man. He's given back to so many things. But we're not going to talk about it. We're going to let him tell us about it. Hi, Pamela. Greetings and respect. And thank you for having me on, on the podcast. It will be a pleasure to, to have a chat with you and your listeners. You mentioned about my, you know, where I start and my connection to do with Bristol. Well, it will take a long time because I'm going to have to take you back, way back to maybe 1975. Uh-huh. That shows my age now. Yes, you know, those were the time when I first started to come to Bristol. I was a young boy. Joined a sound system called Sir Coxon, Outer National Sound System. Those were the days when sound system was the key ways for people to promote music. It wasn't radio or it wasn't, you know, famous disc jockeys or what have you. It was predominantly the Jamaican sound system. That was a, a sort of um, something that was brought over to the UK, you know, with the Windrush Society that came over and started the whole sound system connection. And I was part of Coxon and we used to travel up to Bristol um, maybe two, three times a month to play. Um, got a real sense of what the people are about um, through music. Um, I, I think sometimes music and food is the two best ways to get to know each other. So yeah, we had a very close relationship with Bristol people with the sound system. And I'm sure that any one of your listeners were around in those times. We'll remember myself and the great Lloydie Coxon and Festus and Black Adrian and all of us that used to, you know, religiously come to Bristol and send forth. So my connections there, you know, as I said, goes way back. And it's a very close one as music music people are, you know, with, with people that comes to dances and sound systems. And so that is my connection there. And, and then, obviously, years later when I created The Source, um, St. Paul's was one of the first places to, to embrace me. Um, and that was at the time when I wasn't as much luck in my local, in Brixton, in, in London, because everybody knew, knew me as a musician. They didn't really, you know, fancy me selling them a sauce. Um, so I had to, my business plan was that to go out of my comfort zone and to find a market where people would have accepted me, whether I was, you know, singing music or I was cooking sauces and making food. And St. Paul's was one of the first places that accepted me wholeheartedly, you know. Um, St. Nicholas's Market was a favorite place of mine in, in Bristol, where the great Jenny takeaway in there by lots of the sauces for me, gave me confidence. People in wonderful places like Clifton, um, even there, you know, invited me in and was buying regular regular sauce and gave me the confidence so to carry on to do it and, and um, to show that you know you can be who you are and and still be successful as well so being asked to be you know to be in this fantastic position to be chair of St. Paul's Carnival to me it's like you know it, it's a massive dream come true um, that you know the people that sort of help you in the first place to be who you are now it is my time to put something back and to be a servant for them 
because now this is something really proper that I can put myself. So I'm really excited and can't wait uh, to get involved and do what I, I really do want to do, which is continue to give carnival back to the people of their boat. Those listening to this podcast, Levi, you know, they might be wondering what's St. Paul's Carnival and your sauce and cocks and sounds and you're coming to Bristol all the way back then. What does it have to do with podcasting for health? It has everything to do with podcasting for health because a lot of the things that you give back to Levi, people may not be aware of. And I want to take you back to the first time you met an organization called African Caribbean Leukemia Trust or ACLT and what happened for you when you met them and came involved with them? Well, it's been a long relationship with the ACLT, with myself. I mean, the first, first time I sort of came across, I knew about Daniel DeGale, which is the young boy that, that, that passed away that made this all possible. You know, it was through him and his parents why this massive awareness about how black people don't give birth. It was a call for us to wake up and realize that, you know, we all know somebody that maybe needs this valuable thing. So we should all get involved. And I started out before my source you know, my thoughts became famous. I heard about a ball that they were doing and I sort of poked my way into it and I was allowed to put my regular regular sauce on each table at, at their ball that they were raising the funds for. And the sauce was a hit yeah, for everybody. I usually those balls that are organized in these sort of posh situations don't have a Jamaican Caribbean sauce on the table. And I, I remember everybody was so excited you now about the food being a bit different than I would normally these occasions are. And yeah, the sauce was a massive hit and, and for me to give thanks for that, I got involved with the ACLT to give something back. And then home below, um, you know, I became famous on TV and then still continue to give something back over all those years. And it's become my favorite charity whenever I do appear on TV and on these shows that I do quite often. My choice is more likely is always ACLT charity. Hearing that, it, it, it just makes me feel, you know, goose pimples, really, Levi. It's, it's wonderful to know that from such humble beginnings have come such great achievement and also the level of give back that you have to these charities. I'm going to have to ask you, do you have any kind of life experience where you decided to get involved in the whole ACLT charity and the Daniel DeGale story? Have you ever had anyone in your family that's needed blood? Did you ever need blood? What is the reason why you literally just got up and decide, I'm going to end with this charity was just something that I, w I wanted to do. I, I was so respectful for everybody, you know, to, to have woken up when I when I thought I'd lost my way into the X Factor, actually. When I got my way into Dragon's Den, I was one of the people that, when I saw me, like, what am I doing on there? But I was accepted by, you know, by the people, um, even though I made a lot of mistakes on the show, but that didn't really matter because, you know, everybody thought that that could be them because we all make mistakes, we all fossil at times. And people brought me into their hearts, you know, because of that. And, and so, I wanted to, to be there for them. I wanted to be the Levi Roots that if there's anything that I could do to pay back, I mean, there, there isn't anything else that I can do. The most valuable thing that I think my blessing that I got from the Almighty that blessed my product and gave me the ability to be someone up front that can represent, that I wanted to do that is to represent. And so wherever I'm called, I think there's a duty because of the blessing for you to answer that call. 
That's amazing. And I'm listening to you. I know you give back. I know a lot about your stories. I've met you a couple of times. I've been seeing your progress in life. And there's always some kind of giving back. You don't just give back here in the UK. You give back in Jamaica a lot as well. You know, we Jamaicans, we have to bring up the Jamaican thing here for, for today. I want to ask you, Levi, you support a lot of charities that have to do with our communities, giving of themselves quite literally, whether it's to support a charity, donate blood or organs. And this podcast, is about encouraging our communities to think. We're not telling anybody to go and donate. We're not forcing anybody. We're asking them nicely. Think about how your impact could, one, save somebody's life, two, really improve somebody's life, and three, give you that wonderful legacy knowing you have helped somebody else who really, really needed your help that you could give without any kind of, you know, serious consequence to you. What would be your message, Levi, to somebody who said, nah, I'm not getting involved in that? When people mean giving back, what, what, what do you mean by that? What is giving back? And that is something that I've always struggled with to find a, a sort of balance between that and how you can do something that makes you feel worthwhile. Because, you know, I, I think when people say give back, people always look at giving back money, you know, especially people from my background that, I, that I'm most used to. When you say to people, oh, would you give back? They're thinking that, oh, I don't have no money to give. And it's about money. It's not about that. I think the greatest give back is of the mind, is of the will. Because when you say charity, charity comes in all different forms. And I do think that it's not only just the money. It's also about the power of the people as well. And that's something, again, from, from my background, my experience. Things like giving up your time um, to be able to help somebody or to be involved in, in something. Else. That's a brilliant thing to do. Because sometimes if you don't have the money to give, perhaps your most valuable asset that you have is giving a bit of your time to be there for, for someone. I do a lot of prison. At one time, you know, once a month I go into prisons. I've got one coming up in certain young Adventist prison too. Because I, I was there at one stage in my life, but now I, I try to go back and try to say to people that you can't focus. And if you don't believe me, here I am telling you the truth not sending a letter, I'm not sending a podcast or anything. I'm coming in person to show you and to talk to you. Now, you know, you could spend a few hundred pounds in that respect if you want to help out. But I think when I turn up in person, that's me giving up my valuable time to go and see somebody in person. No, that's where the value is. So that's why I'm saying people have got to differentiate when you say give back. And if we all do that, you will find a normal person at home who's got a value of just themselves. That will be their greatest asset. So that's my message to people. I say when you know you want to give back, give of yourself because sometimes that is what you need. More people was to be able to to talk about things like you know giving back blood and stuff like that, even if they're not doing it themselves. But if they join the other of of what it's about, then it will be more voices and then the numbers will be increased. So that's how I look at it. And that's why I said to you, you know, when I started out, what inspires me to, to do something is because I know my value of, of what I am because I picked up a lot of inspiration <laughs> and um, education in my 45, nearly 50 years of music, sauce, cooking, TV, all that kind of stuff that I've done in my life. So my most valuable asset is my history that I can talk to some of these young kids and some of these people and and tell them how I've managed to stay away from the difficulties and manage to be on the straight and narrow. So it's about, you know, knowing what you mean by giving back. And and it's not always about money. It's giving of yourself. 
Podcasting for our health with NHS Blood and Transplant in association with Bristol African Caribbean Expo and BCFM Radio. Hosted by Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner and broadcaster and producer, Pat Hart. And as you talk about giving of yourself, Levi, I'm going to come now up close and personal about giving of yourself. You not only support the African Caribbean Leukemia Trust or ACLT as many people know it, you also support the Sickle Cell Society. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, again, you know, it, it's, it's all about something about education. I wanted to be one of these voices to, to help to raise the awareness of a terrible, you know, illness that affects a large part of, of, of my people. We didn't know much about it before. And as again, as I said, we need more voices to talk about it, to raise that awareness. Again, you know, I know where I'm at and I know what my blessings are. So I wanted to join the, the army of that to, to be able to raise the voice about it. Simple things like just the trait of sickle cell. I know quite a few people who have the trait of sickle cell and I didn't really know about it before. I always knew them as kids growing up and you know, they're slightly different from, from yourself. But you, you don't know how to deal with the problem as it's your friend and you don't know anything about it yourself. So again, I wanted to be able to help to get the voices out there that this is something that affects a lot of us. And if we all talk about it more, a lot of people who are affected by it could get some help from that. You don't know anything about it, but you got involved so you could, one, learn more, and two, help. Do you think of yourself as a community hero, Levi? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just a Rastaman, as, as I said. I'm from Clarendon, and I brought it by my grandma and everything that she instills in me. And of course, my mom, I tried to be an exemplary of that. And I've always tried to pay back my mom for, for sort of helping me to overcome my lesser self, my past self, to become who I am now. So I think that drives me on to be able to want to do the good. And, and that's what I say when people call me up and say, Leave, will you come to this? Could you come to that? As long as the good. There is no debate for me. As I said, the only thing that always stops me is just my diary to be able to, to facilitate it, it all in. But um, if it's about the good, and then it inspires me to, to want to do it. We're talking about the same post-carnival post that you know, I'm so lucky and so blessed to, to be in, in that position. This is now the first time that I can do public service, you know, doing something really for all of me and, and of my business and throw that in. Because when you say Levi Roots, regular stuff and everything and all my products comes with that when it when it comes. So this is the first time that I'm actually doing public service, you know, doing it on a whole. So for me it's more massive than just, you know, supporting the Prince's Trust or the Trussell Trust or Lucy's the ambulance or whatever else that, you know, I've done. This is something now that that I can really put my all in. So I'm, I'm absolutely looking forward. Thank you so much for that. I think this might be my last question. It it might not be my last question. I'm alive today and, and having a, a really good life and I'm able to sit up with enough energy to sit down and talk to you, Levi, about your giving back. And I couldn't have done that if I didn't get a kidney transplant in November 2018, almost three years ago. I can't wait to celebrate the third anniversary. Lots of people who live with sickle cell and 
other blood necessity disorders don't get the opportunity to actually enjoy what I'm enjoying. Some people are languishing on transplant lists. We know how it is for people who are living with sickle cell disorder when they're going to a crisis. Some people, they need blood exchanges. And we know the suffering and we know the dangers when people don't get the rightly matched organ or blood that is matched specifically to you because of ethnicity. It can be a lot more dangerous for them to get blood that isn't really suitable than it is for them not to. What would you say, Levi, to somebody who you knew could donate blood? There were no underlying health issues. They were fit, especially our men, because our men are a lot more physically able to give blood. They don't have the same health makeup as females, where sometimes females just cannot give blood. What would be your message, please, Levi, if you were sitting down in front of someone, talking to them about the necessity of giving blood? What would be that conversation? What would you say to them? I think it, would, it has to be two different ways, because you have the younger, younger people now who perhaps with more give blood and understand that and won't be too much fuss about that. Young black people um, are more prone to do that. But I think where the problem lies is when you get slightly older people who may be absent from doing this because of stigmas and, and old storytelling type things. In, in my experience, that's where it comes from. Whenever I talk to somebody, you know, over their 30s, 40s, you know, going a bit, bit older, it's about the, the old stigma. You're afraid because of old stories, not because of any scientifical stuff that you've learned. Like I said, the young now studies the internet a lot, so they, they know whatever goes inside of them. They, they understand that a bit more. So I think my message would go towards those who are a bit older than I think that we should be really targeted to, to get rid of that stigma. Because in some ways, that's what sort of traveled with me all, all my life until you, you suddenly wake up and start thinking thinking a bit differently. And um, as I said, you start taking things more from a scientific truth rather than a story truth that, that you hear. For me, when you say give blood, you know, I, as a Rasta man, it was an instantly no with an X there, you know, absolutely, because that's what you know. But in life, you change, and especially when you have had no people who are being affected by that, you know, or you imagine yourself that if one of your children or one of your families, your brother, sisters, aunties, cousin, or whoever, is suffered it and, and needed, what would you do? You know, and you have to be really truthful with yourself with the answers for this. So it's really just a having conversation. That's what I would do is sit with that person and find out where is this blockage coming from, why they, you know, they wouldn't do that and try to reason with them and, and try to convince them to be able to, to overcome whatever it is. Because I think that we all need to have more of a truth about it because that blockage there, you know, as I said, is there for a lot of, especially Jamaican people, when you say that, you know, all sorts of image stirs up. I think it's a clearage of that. And then to really explain to them how saving a life, how, how they could literally save a life by getting involved. Wow, there you go. The dragon slayer himself, Levi Roots, in conversation about all kinds of things with our very own accidental campaigner, Primrose Granville. You enjoyed that, didn't you, Prim? Do you know what? I really enjoyed it. And, and there were lots of other parts of it that we've taken out where he was giving jokes about some of the things that he did to give back to the community. Mm. He is an amazing, altruistic human. And 
when we have people who are so busy, he's a very busy man, stopping to give back in his way. He supports what we're talking about. So I'd like you, you listening. Have you got a friend? Do you know of anyone who you could take to the Malcolm X Community Centre with you or any other blood donation centre you know of if this is after October 3rd, 2021? But for October 3rd, Sunday, October 3rd, have your rice and peas, have whatever it is that you eat, your jerk chicken, you know, you might be vegan, your curried veg, your steamed veg, your grilled veg, and whatever else you eat. After you've eaten that, because you need to eat a healthy meal before you go to donate blood, pop on down to the Malcolm X Community Centre. 141 City Road, St. Paul's, Bristol, BS28YH. Why not give blood today and save three lives? So that's it for this episode. Remember, we're still here for five more. So keep joining us. The next episode will be out the middle of October. In time again for Black History Month UK. So stay with us and listen to the podcast as we talk about saving our own communities. And talking about saving, Pat, you've got to save my skin here and tell me about the techie bits. <laughs> All you need to do if you listen to this podcast, whatever platform you are, just make sure that you subscribe, which means that every time there's a brand new episode, you will be notified. Thank you so much for listening. It's me, Pat Hart, signing off. And me, Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner with podcasting for our health. We'll see you next time. Bye. Podcasting for our health with NHS Blood and Transplant in association with Bristol African Caribbean Expo and BCFM Radio. Hosted by Primrose Granville, the accidental campaigner and broadcaster and producer Pat Hart.